Hello and welcome to Jeffrey Goes To. This episode, Jeffrey went to Balthazar to see them on the sand tour. So my brother John is with me here. Hello. Hello. You went to see them in Madrid, is that right? Yep, I went to see them in a venue called Salamon, M-O-N, which has a bar, which is kind of a, a, it looks like it's just like somebody's garage or something when you go in. You can't actually believe there's a music venue there. And you sort of imagine Balthazar must rock up there and think, oh my God, what have we done? We're playing in someone's house. But no, it is actually when you go through, it's actually sort of quite a decent venue in a sort of slightly seedy way. But it holds about 700 people. So it's, you know, it's, it's fine. It's, it's quite professional and pretty good. And very, and pretty intimate as well. You know, just 700 people. The stage isn't particularly high, sort of waist height, perhaps. And so it's, it does feel very, very intimate. Okay, so they must have a similar sort of venue type because I saw them at the Electric Ballroom in London, which again, which from the outside looks a bit crap. And you, you go down some stairs into this basement and then it's actually quite big. It'd be well, I don't know what the capacity is, but it'd be well over 700. And it's a sort of massive sprawling basement and there is a balcony as well. I think I've been in there. I couldn't get a good... I think I've been, I think I saw Deus there uh, a long time ago. I can't, I can't quite remember if it was... Is that, is that in Camden? Yeah, it's next to the tube station in Camden. Yeah, I think I've been there. Yeah, that would be better for Dea. I saw Deus at Scala in London, which was horrible. It's a tiny little fire trap of a place and it felt unsafe. This was a lot bigger and better. Yeah, I remember it being quite a good venue. And as I say, Salomon in Madrid, first time I've been there actually. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, a pretty decent venue. And I got there quite early because I didn't have much to do after work. And I thought, well, I'll just wander down and see what it's like. I'm not, it said nine o'clock on the ticket and I wasn't quite sure if that meant the doors at nine or the band at nine. So I went there about sort of 10 past seven ish. And there was a little queue of five or six people. And somebody said the doors open at seven thirty. So I thought, Oh, okay. Well, hang on then. So I stood in the queue, doors open at seven thirty. I get in, there's nobody there. So I think, all right, okay, I'm going to stand next to the stage then. And obviously being middle-aged, I don't want to spoil it for everybody <laughs> and be in the middle whilst, you know, everyone's trying to sort of have a good time and there's, you know, granddad there in the middle. So I stood right right to one side, right to the left, so pretty much directly in front of Simon, the bass player, or where he would be um, when he came on. So I was kind of got a brilliant spot, absolutely sort of cracking, right at the front, right there, but right off to the side. So I've sort of been, been showing my sensitive side, not wanting to ruin things. That's very considerate of you. I wish people in Camden had done that. So it was... Uh, All stood at the side, so you could see. I d- well, ideally, yeah. There were there was um, quite a number of very tall people who always seemed to have to congregate in front of me. Yeah, it once, it once happened to me at the Jazz Cafe in somewhere in London. I, I think that might be in Camden as well. I'm not sure now. But I was seeing Gil Scott Heron, and there was this really, really short woman standing behind me and my, my friend Richard. So we said, oh, do you want to come in front of us? And she said, oh, thank you, thank you. And then her boyfriend came back from the toilet and he was like the tallest man in the whole world. He was like massive. So this, me and Richard stood behind this massive fella and that didn't <laughs> seem to me to be very fair. No, it seemed to be somebody took advantage of your good nature knowing exactly what they were doing. Well, yeah, she knew that this big tall fella in the toilet, hang on, you know, I won't put them yeah. in that position. But we didn't know that. Anyway... Yes. Anyway, the scars have healed. I was healed. referring to her. Yeah, yeah, no, I realise. Yeah, yeah. No, the scars have healed. But but the venue started fill, yeah. the venue started filling up and I noticed that there was a lot of women that were around kinda, of, I don't know, thirty ish years of age or whatever. 
and they were all clustering in the middle, and none of them kind of were coming to stand at the sides. And so I didn't realise just how popular Balthazar were with women. I had never, I just never clicked. But there was quite a lot of, and they were all getting into position of get as close to Martin as it's possible to get. So they weren't interested in standing near me in front of Simon, the bass player, or anything like that. No. I mean, it could yeah. be, it could well, be about me. Avoiding you is understandable. Well, it could be about me, but I'm because... assuming that the draw to Martin was greater than the repulsion of me. Yeah, yeah. So no, you think Martin rather than Yinte as well? It appeared to be, yeah. Well, at one point, a girl who was standing near me asked me to take a photo of her with Martin in the background and made it very clear where her affections were lying. So perhaps... <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, um, Yinte was slightly further away because he stands on the other side of of, uh, the st- of Martin on the other side of the stage. And the, the congregation seemed to be pretty much where everyone expected Martin to be and where he ended up, you know, his position on the stage. Fair enough. Camden seemed to be a lot more mixed, I think, sex-wise, and largely non-UK, mainly sort of seemed to be European people there. Right, okay. Well, I mean, as far as I could tell, in the Madrid venue, most people were Spanish as far as... And, I mean, there was a gender mix. It wasn't just, you know, women. I'm just saying that the, the, I hadn't got in my head that there was that appeal, that there was a sex appeal there. Um, but th- there is. There really is. So, so there you go. And I was very fortunate, actually, that uh, I was quite conscious of my age, and uh, somebody even older than me ended up standing sort of like about a yard behind me. So that was great. So he would have, uh, if anybody was kind of looking around thinking, you know, what's the old fella doing here? The, their eyes would be drawn to him and his grey hair more than they would be to me. So I was saved. Fair enough. Yeah, I wasn't the youngest there either. Sorry, the oldest there either. There was um, an older fella stood near us and he was wearing a hat, which I thought didn't think was quite the dumb thing at a gig. Well... The thing is, I think our age is quite an awkward age to go to this kind of sort of rock and roll gig of, you know, the band obviously is younger than us as well. If you're older and you're quite clearly sort of like in your 70s or whatever, people can go, oh, look at him, good old fella, good for him, granddad down at the gig. But we're at that sort of awkward age where pretty much anything we do just reeks of midlife crisis. And I was slightly conscious of that, I admit, because it was clearly a younger crowd on the whole. I mean, nobody said anything, so it was obviously just in my head, but... I think, fortunately, um, everything I've ever done has sort of been a bit uncool. And so you kind of, I think, you get to a certain point where you just don't care what other people think, so it doesn't really cross my mind that. Well, I think that's a much better attitude than me thinking, oh, my God, I look so old. Oh, my God, everyone's looking at me. I think, yeah, you're, you're right. Plus, I was on my own as well, whereas you went, you went with mm. your wife, so... Again, it's, it sort of makes you feel a little bit more conspicuous. But anyway, cracking on, I got on with that. I, w- I didn't realise there was a support act, which was quite a a positive, because I was, I was there with my Kindle, thinking, oh, I've got an hour and a half to kill here. At 8pm, on walks Sylvie Crush, which I completely unexpected, so very pleasant surprise that there was something there to half-hour diversion. Did she play in London as well? She did, yes. We got her as well. I, I, I only found this out afterwards. I didn't actually know who she was. I had to actually ask the roadie who, between the two, act. and I researched her. I didn't realise she was the one who um, collaborated with Martin on Warhouse, his side project. And at the time, at least, was his girlfriend. I don't know if she still is. But at the time that they collaborated... I mean, the fact that they called the album We Fucked a Flame into Being doesn't leave a great deal to the imagination. I don't, let's say, I don't know if she still is his girlfriend or not, but... After that Madrid gig, I think he certainly had choice choices. He had options. 
I think the way stuff's worded tends to imply that they're not still. Well, it says that his, his then girlfriend, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's things like that. So I think they're not now. They obviously get on okay, and I don't know. She went down very, very well in uh, in Camden. Is it the same in Madrid? Yeah, very much so. Because it was quite sparse by the time she hit the stage, and you know, she said to people, "Come closer," and people did. But there was definitely a very positive reaction to her, even though to say there weren't that many people in at that time. People in Spain tend to turn up at the last minute for things. Sort of culturally, that's quite a, a normal thing. Arriving early isn't a big isn't a big thing. What did you think of her? Um, yeah, I enjoyed her thoroughly. Um, both me and the wife did. Yeah, I thought she was great. Yeah, completely agree. I thought she was great. And you can hear you can hear some of her on Spotify. So the playlist that goes with this, we'll put on a couple of Sylvia Crush tracks that we knew were played, but because we didn't know what didn't know her beforehand, I didn't know the tracks, and I can't find the set list anywhere. That she's she's not big on marketing. I have to say, <laughs> she even released an album on the Friday after my concert. She had a devil of a job to find the bloody thing, but. Um, but yeah, so we'll put on a couple of Sylvie Crush tracks on the end of the playlist because I thought she was excellent, really, really good, Co- quite compelling, much better live than than on Spotify, but still pretty good on Spotify. Yeah, there's certainly that uh, song called "Let It All Burn," which I particularly liked. Yeah, I think that was so the one we'll she put, played last. We'll put that on. She played that last. Um, she at- didn't for us. Ah, okay. But, um, in, in Camden, she, I, I think she played about six songs, something like that. And the, the second half was better than the first, but um, it, it was all all quite jolly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she played that last. And, and the reason I think that is just because I saw I found a video on YouTube of that and she went off at the end of it. So I'm assuming it was last. Although at the time, obviously, I couldn't remember because I didn't really know the songs. So, but yeah, we'll put that one on. And there was another... And Pleased to Devon, which I liked a lot, which I remember from the concert as well, from her Bada Bing Bada Boom EP. So we'll put those two on, Pleased to Devon and Let It All Burn. And strongly recommend it. Have a, have a check out the Sylvie Crush. And set list wise, we both got the same set list, didn't we? Of Balthazar. Are we moving on to yet? Yeah, are we moving on to Balthazar, are we? You have to signpost what you're doing, fella. You can't just, we're just talking about Sylvie Crush. Okay. So Balthazar, right, we're moving on to Balthazar, everybody. So moving on to Balthazar. <sighs> the hard work. This. So moving on to Balthazar. So actually, before we get to the um, actual set, I did notice that the intro tape, I don't know if you had the same one, but we had some very, very obscure jazz intro tape that reminded me of a section of in Stuart Lee's book called Harry Escaped My Certain Fate. There's a bit where he sort of says how he always puts on the most unpleasant, unnerving music to try and get the crowd sort of on edge and sort of intentionally annoy them. And I found that Balthazar very much did that to me. I was ready. Had I had some kind of teacup or something, I might have been throwing it. Because I think the intro tape was absolutely dreadful. I don't remember it. So perhaps it was playing, perhaps it wasn't. I don't know. I just... I just don't know. Well, you're a little bit more tolerant of jazz than I am, but the, the, you know, even by jazz standards, I'd expect some jazz people to be uh, be hitting the roof, mumbling under their breath, some uh, some some blue language. Well, it may well be what you're saying. Maybe they're just trying to make it as bad as possible so that uh, they sound as good as possible in comparison. I don't know. It could be. It could be. Or maybe they like it. Maybe they just kind of want to show some obscure stuff, show off. Yeah. What? Well, well, I assume they, they like are. It. But uh, but yeah, but they did. I think they um, going on to the Balthazar set list, and um, we both got the same set list, didn't we? We had yep. a little discussion about this. 
I do think they start sort of fairly weakly in terms of their songs. The couple of my least favourite songs on the set list are the first two. Although I don't hate them or anything, but I think it was track three when it really got going for me. I, yeah, yeah, I remember you saying you didn't like Hourglass that much. I suppose when I, when they came on, I was so excited to see them, and I quite liked the song Hourglass anyway. So for me, that was great. And then Grapefruit, they did, although it's not my favourite track on the album by far, uh, on the Fever album by far, but it is. it came across, I thought, pretty powerfully, because didn't they sort of jazz up the ending a bit? A bit? Possibly. I can't remember, to be honest, that in, in that much detail. Well, but, I don't uh, know. They, they probably did, as they, they did mess around with most of the songs, didn't they? Yeah, no, they did. They did, in, in a very welcome way. I think that they really kind of gave them all tons more oomph. But yeah, Do Not Claim Them Anymore was then third. Well, Hourglass and Grapefruit, then Do Not Claim Them Anymore was third from the Rats album. And that was really good, I thought. I was really kind of thinking, oh my God, this is just brilliant. Just loved that song. And you're right, for me, that that's when it... Uh, I wouldn't say it came alive, because it came alive the moment they came on stage. But yeah, that was the point. I thought, my God, these guys are really, really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that, that is when it sort of stepped up in excitement, I think, level for me. And I think going going through it all, it's like they, they did really sort of alter the songs to fit with the live music, and they did pretty much every song was tinkered with in some way to really give it more energy and more exciting as a live experience. And most songs were sort of quite different from from their, you know, recorded version. Yeah, yeah. I think it was The Boatman, which was... Fifth. So after the do not claim them anymore, they did sinking ship. Then the boatman, and the boatman again. It's 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 from applause album. I like it, but I wouldn't say it's up there with my top Baldstar songs. But live, and that they really did muck about with the ending on that, and they really kind of gave it a proper a proper rocky, jazzy, right in your face extended outro, which I thought was really really good. Yeah, I think you're right, and I I think that's something we could probably if we went through the set list would be saying about pretty much all the songs that they just gave everything everything was turned up to 11 and it's just really good almost like remix certainly like fever for example which was almost like a complete remix oh fever i mean you've, you've jumped forward quite a lot here i have yes you have yeah before you before you jump to the the end pretty much we should just say it after boatman was moment on a roll i'll stay here and then i just want to make a comment about you won't come around because for me, when they do that sort of falsetto singing, I'm not a massive fan of falsetto anyway, but I'm, I'm not particularly a big fan of the way Balthasar do it on record. But live, I have to, I was, I was really taken with it. And there was this in, in um, You Won't Come Around from the Sand album. There's a bit where Martin's singing, and he's singing, I'm in love, I'm in love, in falsetto, whilst playing the guitar. And I'm standing, I thought, oh my God. This is amazing. And I was like, goose pimples. Whereas on the record, I kind of think, meh, it's all right. It's quite a nice song. But I'm not, you know, getting too excited about it. Oh, live, my God, it blew me away. I just thought it was incredible. Yeah, I think so. Um, if, we, if we're going to backtrack a bit, then, so we can go through to, because I found, um, like, I Want You, which is a song that hadn't really stood out to me as well. But the performance there, particularly of Martin's vocals, again, is make me really love that song now yeah i i agree i i thought martin in general because i'd sort of got this impression sort of yinte was my favorite of the of the two because he plays the guitar and he's he just i kind of prefer his voice normally but i have to say i was so impressed i was impressed with them all 
but I was particularly impressed with Martin. I thought, no, you you are really, really good. And subsequently went on to, to listen to some of his uh, side project stuff. And I thought, no, this this guy's really, really good. And it is things like you mentioned there in I Want You and stuff, you realise just how good he is. Yeah, but but you missed two songs again, because after You Won't Come Around, it was then Blood Like Wine, Dead Linger On. So now we're on to I Want You. Well, I was going backwards now. We're allowed to jump around, fella. Well, I want to follow the set list a bit. So, you know, so it's got a bit of a flow. Well, we're going a bit freeform now. Well, we're not, because we've done You Won't Come Around. That was me going on about his voice. Then Blood Like Wine, Linger On, I Want You. That was what you said. So we're up to that point yeah. now. And well, that- acor- according to um, the set list, there is also an excerpt of Leaving Antwerp, which must have been on the end of You Won't Come Around, which I never noticed, to be honest. And I, it's a, I do like that song, but I, it must have just been a little bit of an instrumental excerpt from it. That wasn't in mine. And I, and I could, where I was standing, I could see the set list very, very clearly right in front of me. So as I said, I was right in front of Simon, the bass player. I could see the set list. I was following it, thinking, all right, okay, we're on, linger on. You know, I want you next. And there was no leaving Antwerp on it. Yeah. It does say for for the gig I went to, it does say in the notes, not on set list, bridge snippet. Uh, so okay. I don't think it was on the set list at all, but there was obviously just a bridge, or maybe it was before Blood Like Wine, because I thought that was just the outro bit they, they played. But Well, maybe it was similar with the, because at the end of I Want You is when 15 Floors was on the set list, but they definitely didn't play 15 Floors. But I remember... And I got a little bit confused at this point because then they started playing Fever. And I was thinking, did I miss 15 Floors? But I, I thought I heard the the main riff. And I was quite confused what really happened there. Uh, they did. I am familiar with that, so I noticed it. And it's, yeah, it was basically on, on the end of I Want You, they went into 15 Floors, sort of like the opening riff, and just played a little bit of that. But they didn't, do, there was none of the vocals or they didn't play the whole song. Ah, oh, that explains it. Because then, when they went into fever, I thought, "Oh God, what happened? Did I, you know, lose concentration?" And I can't believe I did because it was absolutely, you know, hundred percent there in the zone. So I can't believe I did. But then, the, then fever, which is what we started talking about ages ago, this was massively extended. And yeah, this was very much the twelve-inch version, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, very much. Yeah. And did they in in ours? They sort of they went off in the middle, just went and left the sort of electronics buzzing away, doing the sort of and then they came back on and sort of sang the sort of second half of the song, I guess. Yes, they did do that. I thought they were, uh, that might be the, you know, the end of it. And then they would come back on and do it. But they didn't. They came came back on. Yeah, they came back on and carried on with the, and then, with the set yeah. list because that wasn't the official yeah, end. Played a bit more of Fever. But when they came back on, I loved the way they did that. I don't know. You could just sort of, you didn't quite know what was going on at this point. And then Simon started playing the bass riff. To it and was he, he likes to sometimes stand right at the front of the stage you know his sort of feet almost mm. hanging off and people in the crowd started singing you know fever i get the fever every time you cross my mind everyone started singing it so it was just this amazing atmosphere at this point yeah there was the same in in camden after the people were uh, had been well whipped up into a frenzy by this point so uh... well yeah and then it was simon's birthday as well so we all sang happy birthday to him and um, Martin said they were going out on a pub crawl afterwards if we wanted to go with them. So I was, I was essentially invited on a pub crawl with Baltasar, although I didn't go because I had to get my no. bus. I had to get my last bus home. Did they actually say what bar they were going to? 
Well, this was a this was a bit of an issue. The the girl who was standing next to me, the one who asked me to do the photo, uh, asked me in Spanish, you know, what did they say? What did they say? So I said, oh, they're going to look, I explained what a pub crawl was. But she said, but yeah, but which pub, which pub? So I leant up to Simon and I said, what pub is the pub crawl? And he completely ignored me, which was partly because he was tuning his bass at the time, because obviously they've got in-ear uh, monitors. And I could see he was one of his pedals was a tuner. And so you could see the note and he was tuning it. So he may have just been concentrated on tuning or he may have been blanking me. I'm not quite sure which, but the effect we'll was the same. Was the, yeah, but I think it's most likely the first. I'm sure it wouldn't. I'm uh, sure it was. But there was there was something that was a bit kind of too cool for school about them in general, in the sense that there was no, even though the audience were right on top of them, there was no kind of interaction, really. There was interaction in the general sense, but there was no eye contact. There was no sort of like cheeky smile or anything. They they were quite sort of professionally distant, you know. Even though, like, if Simon bent down to take a swig of his beer, his bass was basically like hitting me on the nose, you know, the, the neck of his bass, and he was yes. sort of a, he was the sort of distance that one would normally have to be in an intimate relationship to maintain, and he still didn't bother sort of like smiling and saying, you know, how you doing, fella? There was nothing. There was just absolutely nothing blank. So. I don't know. I'm not sure what it would have been like if I'd followed them around on a pub crawl. I'm not sure. They would have been thinking, oh, great, the old fellas come. <laughs> I'm not sure that would have been. But anyway, that was just Ace. Fever was Ace. Really, really good. And then Entertainment was the last one before the, the fake end. Yes. And then they came back on and did Bunker, which is one of my favourites. But I thought they didn't really do much with Bunker, did it? It was a fairly straight... Yeah. Straight performance. And also, the only track off Thin Walls. Yeah, interesting, which was one of our uh, top albums. So we, we put it sort of second, but, you know. Yes. Paper thin between that and sand. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of my favourite tracks as well. I've, I've grown to like it more and more, that track, since we recorded the, the main podcast on Balthazar. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed that as well. And by then, the crowd's just singing to absolutely everything as well. And... and you know, I never thought of Balthazar as a kind of a sing-along band, you know, because they seem so sort of morose and serious and uh, and cool. But no, the, the whole place was just jumping up and down and singing along. Yeah, and that's probably why they finished with Losers as well, because that is quite a good sing-along one, isn't it? Yeah, I, well, it is. But I, again, not one that I'd realised was quite a good sing-along. But it really is, yeah. It seems sort of almost kind of a low-key number, I thought. But it, no, absolutely not. It was a really good ending. Yeah, well, I think on, on record, a lot they are quite minimalist and a lot of it is low-key but certainly live there was not really anything low-key particularly as i said I, I think it stepped up off do not claim them anymore i think they've, they picked the pace up a bit and certainly like from the end of i think probably like blood like wine because when there's a bit that you know that that raise your glass to that bit yeah they were all going obviously everyone was raising their glasses if they had one as in drinks not yeah, not the spectacles. Not spectacles. Yeah. I didn't raise my spectacles. <laughs> um, and that seemed to sort of lift in more in atmosphere and, and jollity rather than the band a bit, but there's, it seemed to get the crowd going a bit more. Probably just a bit of interaction. Yeah, there, there was the, the moments like that where there really was those opportunities for interaction, I think really did, did sort of push it forward. I agree. I mean, I suppose by fever, it was already buzzing along at, at top notch, but there was a huge amount of people... Like that bit when he sings, just like I do too. Everyone was like shouting that bit out as well, which was really good. 
we're at the end now. So does it um, does it change much of your opinion of the, uh, the actual recorded albums? Well, I'd, it's changed my opinion of Balthazar in the sense that I like them more, a lot more. And I like them anyway. You know, I definitely did like Balthazar a lot. But having sort of walked out of the gig, I thought I just had such a good time. And they were so good. And nice, nice to see them have a group hug at the end. And take a bow, a proper formal bow, which Sylvie Crush didn't. I thought I was very, very much missing that she just sort of walked off the stage. Um, but it was nice to see. But yeah, my, my opinion of Balthazar, absolutely, I think they're absolutely wonderful now. So my opinion of them has definitely enhanced even further. In terms of the opinion of the albums, I don't know. Not not particularly. I don't think so. I think I'm probably, if you remember, we were we were arguing about whether Fever was, that was the kind of the one we weren't quite sure where Fever when in dif- we disagreed on mm, yeah so i think i'm of the opinion that i was right about fever i haven't changed my mind about that i think the five really good albums five strong albums and we probably got them in the right order yeah i mean i agree with a lot i mean certainly i mean my opinion of balthazar as a band has gone up a lot just i think that the live performance was brilliant i think it has sort of slightly with certain songs like i say like i want you Sort of gone back and listened to that. The Fever album itself, sort of gone back and listened to as well, and I enjoyed it a lot more having listened to it. So I would actually have even all five more more close together in a ranking, I think, than I did before. So yeah, so I think they're uh, a splendid evening all round, and uh, heartily recommended if anyone can get to a gig. (laughs) 